I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's going on, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Chargers Lately. I am your host, Michael Peterson. Now, right this second, I am recording the podcast. It is Saturday, but as you guys are going to be listening to this, it will be game day, and it's just incredible to essentially hear those words come out of my mouth because, again, not too long ago, we didn't know if this day would come. And with how everything else has gone in the year of 2020, you know, safe money would have been put on that it wasn't going to happen. But here we are, week one of the NFL regular season, Chargers at Bengals and what's going to be, you know, I think a very underrated game this week. You know, it's not going to get primetime. It's not Sunday night, Monday night or any sort of primetime slot, but this is a great game. There's a lot of storylines here, a lot of history, a lot of just cool, intriguing facts. I mean, this is something that regardless if it's getting the spotlight on the day, people are going to keep this one in mind and they're going to want to know how this game went, how Burrow did, how Tyrod did, how each of these teams, you know, the, the Chargers defense, how they did minus the loss of Derwin James and then the Bengals and how Burrow ran that offense. I mean, there's just so many things that people are going to want to pay attention to. And that's why I think, you know, at the end of the day, this is one of the best matchups, most interesting matchups on the docket for today. So um, we're going to quickly go ahead and look over the injury reports. And I'm sure you guys have probably seen this. We're going to go ahead and do it again. But as of Friday, when this came out, here's what we got. Cincinnati, 
they are missing a key cog and probably their best defender um, for Sunday, and that's defensive tackle Geno Atkins. He's a 10-year veteran uh, out of the University of Georgia. He has been their stalwart in the middle of that defense. I mean, he's been probably the one thing that has kept that defense competitive over the years when their offense has just not been that way whatsoever. He will be out, and that is a great thing for the Chargers, and we'll kind of delve into that in a moment. The other two players that are uh, at least had a designation uh, on the injury report are cornerback LaShawn Sims. He is doubtful, and safety Sean Williams. He is out. I believe Sean Williams is one of their starting safeties next to Jesse Bates. Um, don't entirely quote me on that, but that sounds right. Um, I know they've got William Jackson, who's one of their starting corners. Um, so I don't want to make, just make sure I'm not getting those two mixed up. But other than that, they're a pretty healthy team. Um, but still, that Geno Atkins being out, that designation is huge uh, for the Chargers. And that's because they will be without starting center Mike Pouncey in this one. And Pouncey was probably going to go up against... Um, Atkins in this one, him and DJ Reader, who the, the Bengals got in free agency from the Texans this offseason. That is going to be a big deal because without Pouncey, Dan Feeney, he normally plays left guard, is going to move over to center. And then Forrest Lamp is going to get a start at left guard. And again, in the year of 2020, where everything bad that could happen is happening, Forrest Lamp, of all things, of all people, is getting a start and will start week one of this season. And as you guys know, I'm a huge Forrest Lamp fan. So again, this is like music to my ears. It's kind of surreal. And I mean, we've still got, I know at this point, 24 hours from when I'm recording this, that they will play. Um, but I'm pretty sure he's not going to explode, you know, instantaneously combust uh, prior to the game. So this is just fantastic news. It's great to see. Other than uh, Pouncey being out, you've got four of the Chargers who are labeled questionable. You've got right tackle Brian Bulaga. Virgil Green, tight end, uh, right guard Trey Turner, and wide receiver Mike Williams. Now, all of those guys are fairly important. Um, Green maybe not so much as a non-starter, but you know Blaga was added I think Thursday to the injury report with a, an apparent hamstring injury. Uh, I wouldn't call it an injury. Sometimes they just put them there with soreness or issues or stuff like that if they've had a, like a limited practice, you know. And and those things can be just veteran days off. So for me. My money is on Bulaga, at least that designation being one of those days off, just giving him some time to, to heal up or just feel less sore, right? And then Trey Turner, um, the thing about him, and you know, it suck if this, you know, another guy we got in the offseason doesn't start week one or isn't healthy enough to start week one. Again, I think he plays, it's still questionable, which is better than a doubtful. Obviously, it's much better than out. Um, but remember, he got hurt during the scrimmage that where Derwin James got hurt. You know, he he said or at least the team noted that he left early in that scrimmage. Um, he's been a limited participant. Again, there's been no setbacks that have been spoken about. Uh, so I think Turner goes. Mike Williams is the one thing that's going to be a little questionable, like truly questionable for me personally. Um, he practiced in limited this, this week. I think two of the three days we saw him going through receiving drills. We thought, saw him catching passes, you know, ones over his head where he would, you know, throw his arms up and catch it over his shoulder. And again, for, for someone who has an apparent sprained shoulder, for him to have that type of motion and look okay doing it, I think that bodes well for his chances of playing week one. So at the end of the day, after potentially missing out on some games from Williams to start the year. It looks like he's probably in good shape to start, but again, that is going to be a game time decision. Now, moving on to previewing this Bengals team. Now, some, some stuff 
uh, some basic history. I mean, their all-time record, the Chargers have 20 wins over the Bengals, 14. Um, and on the road, the Chargers, again, hold the advantage 9-7. to Again, a big deal. Um, again, being at week one of the season, they're going up against a rookie quarterback. And I've said this stat, a couple of my articles, I believe I may have said it on the last episode of this podcast. But that's um, quarterbacks, so rookie quarterbacks taken number one overall who start week one for their team are 0-5-1 in the last 15 years. So of the past six number one overall picks who started game one for their team, they have not won a game, lost five, and tied one. So is that something that, again, is on the side of the Chargers? You know, we'd like to think so, but again, this is a team that tends to snap history in a bad way, right? And, and Joe Burrow isn't just any other rookie quarterback. I mean, this guy's absolutely insane. We'll get to his stats in a second. Um, but lastly, the, the last time these two teams faced was 2018. It was December 9th. It was a 26-21 victory for the Chargers. It was actually a little bit of a scary game because the Bengals weren't looking too hot. And the Chargers had some injuries towards the end of the season, and they sort of held some people out again to stay healthy for the the postseason because they kind of locked up a spot again. They were, I think they were, I think they had 10 or 11 wins at that point. I know it was one of the final games of the year. Anyway, it was just a close one, right? It was one they didn't absolutely need to win, and they almost lost it despite everything. Um, Does not matter at this point. So going back to Joe Burrow, okay, right? Heisman Trophy winner this past season. He was the number one overall pick. He led the LSU Tigers to a 15-0 season in the national championship over Clemson. Big deal. This kid threw 60 total passing touchdowns. Also had seven rushing touchdowns. 60 passing touchdowns. There's been you know some rare times where you know Hawaii's quarterback Colt Brennan back in the day and some of these air raid quarterbacks throw for 50 plus touchdowns. Like we've seen it before. It's still very rare. But it's nothing like unheard of. This guy threw 60 total touchdowns up through the national title game to just 11 interceptions. I don't have to like explain much further why that's absolutely insane. And he still threw for 5,671 yards. I mean, they're all SEC records. They're all LSU records, obviously. Just a plethora of records across the board. This guy can throw it and he's just... He's as clutch as it gets. I mean, when I try to think of the right words to describe Joe Burrow, the guy is just, he's not only a phenomenal football player, he is a good athlete. He's just a natural. I mean, natural is something that 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 comes to mind with this kid, right? I mean, the kids, you, you know, growing up, you're playing backyard football, pickup games, stuff like that. He's just one of those guys who, knows how to win and how to get the job done in any situation, whether it's a sanctioned game, pickup game, whatever. They just know what to do to be good and get the job done at that moment in time. And that's what Joe Burrow is, man. The guy is just absolutely incredible. But you take this quarterback, and obviously the uh, Bengals had the number one pick for a reason, right? They were bad last year. This was a team that won two games in all of 2019. And a big reason for that was their horrible offensive line. At the same time, they get A.J. Green back. He's added to Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon. They had a promising young uh, receiver from Florida State last year, Auden Tate. Guy's 6'4", big catch radius type uh, receiver. Kind of a little bit of a poor man's Mike Williams, if you will, but still pretty effective. They've got weapons. So Joe, what Joe Burrow has to work with is phenomenal. 
But in terms of what he's going to have to play behind to try to protect himself behind, it's a really bad offensive line. Silver lining for that unit, though, is their left tackle, Jonah Williams, who was their first-round pick two seasons ago out of Alabama. He tore his ACL before last season, and or two seasons ago, and did not play in 2018. But, excuse me, in 2019, this past season. Well, all jumbled up. But he's going to start his first NFL game this year, and he was a phenomenal left tackle. I believe he was the top tackle taken, uh, and a guy that's not super athletic, uh, but just is so good, fundamentally sound, that, again... He knows how to get the job done uh, despite a lack of athleticism, length, and all those things you would want. And maybe a, a true prototypical left tackle in the NFL. Uh, despite all of that, he is phenomenal and was great for you know the Crimson Tide. Um, going back to A.J. Green, like I talked about, he is back this year. He's 32 years old. So again, you know how much can you really expect from a 32-year-old receiver who hasn't played in like god it's been it's almost 2 years so december of 2018 was the last time he played in the game so it's august or september now i mean that's really what is that a year and 9 months since he's played in an nfl game because he had an ankle injury prior to last season and that kept him out what ended up being the entire season so people are saying you know again this this group's really talented and i and i fully believe they are but again aj green hasn't played in 2 years He's injury prone, at least the last couple of years he's been. In 2018, the last season that he actually played, he only played in nine games. So you look at all that and think, you know, maybe it isn't maybe it isn't gonna look so scary. You know, again, the Chargers have such a good secondary, right? I don't know. I don't know. But AJ Green, he's just he's got that name power, the star power. AJ Green. What he was in his prime, by far one of the best receivers in the NFL. Top five easily. At his prime top three, maybe, before some of these other guys kind of came to prominence. But like at one point, A.J. Green was it. And he's going to play against the Chargers, playing an NFL game for the first time in two years on Sunday. I think it's just incredible. Now, I wrote an article today that talked about my three keys to the Chargers beating the Bengals on Sunday. And why don't we go ahead and go over that? I think it's an easy way, you know, in case you guys don't feel like reading, this is just a virtual article, you know, an ebook, if you will. Um, but essentially, these are the three keys that I have for the Chargers to ensure victory over Joe Burrow um, and the Bengals this Sunday. So, number one, and I think this one's, I mean, it's obvious, and it's obvious whenever a team with a really good pass rush plays a, a rookie quarterback. And that's simply make Joe Burrow uncomfortable. Rattle the young quarterback. Get him off his platform. Get him out of structure. And force him to make plays outside of what he's used to doing. Now, it's a big deal that the Chargers are at least healthy on defense for the most part. right? I, I, as, as I'm speaking, again, I just went over the injury report, so I don't know why I'm even thinking about it. But they're not missing anybody from a defense besides Derwin James. And I mean, I don't want to say they're, I don't know. Derwin James is a big deal. We understand that he's probably the best player on the team, arguably, right? When his second contract is going to be the biggest thing in the entire world. But they've still got plenty of depth. For the most part, this defense is healthy and ready to rock. They actually weren't too bad without Derwin James last season, especially against the Chiefs. You know, uh, they could have been better, but it obviously wasn't the worst thing in the world. And I think this defense is better than what it was last year without Derwin James as well. I'm Alex Rodriguez. 
And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey guys, just a quick little blip in here. Um, During the initial recording, I did the whole thing in one take. And for some reason, it split my thing in half and then there's a chunk of audio missing. So when I'm done with this little blip I'm recording here, it's just gonna jump into me talking about the right tackle Bobby Hart and just continuing on what this offensive line is going to look like. Um, So just don't be alarmed. I didn't want it to just skip without telling you exactly what was gonna happen. So I do apologize for this. This is just easier than obviously re-recording the entire thing that I did already in one take. So please enjoy the rest of the podcast. So sorry, go Chargers. Up is right tackle is a guy named Bobby Hart. Bobby Hart is probably, arguably, one of the worst tackles left or right in the entire NFL, and he's going to get to go up against Joy Bosa. I believe that will be the matchup for them. And then on the interior of their offensive line, I gotta maybe take a look at their thing off the top. I cannot think of their name. I believe Hopkins is their their center. All right, so from left to right, just so you guys. Jim, paint this picture. Right tackle, or excuse me, left tackle is Jonah Williams, the rookie, playing as sort of rookie, second-year player, playing in his first NFL game. Left guard is uh, Michael Jordan, not the GOAT. Uh, he's a second-round or second-year player from Ohio State. Center is Trey Hopkins. Right guard is Xavier Suafilo. And right tackle is Bobby Hart. So I don't know how you guys feel, but that's a lot of no-names, a lot of underwhelming players. Um, that is absolutely, like, perfect. Right, I mean, I I think far and away this is going to be the best opportunity for Bosa and Ingram to start hot. You know, get out on the right foot and and just you know have a couple sacks apiece, or just create some good momentum to start the season. Or hell, use it as a tune-up game. Right, you know that's there is no preseason game, and this offensive line might as well be a preseason offensive line for the Chargers starting this. I, I think it's just an excellent opportunity for them to, you know, knock off any more rust that they may have coming off again in August that didn't have any tune-up games, no exhibitions, no preseason games. I think this is a good opportunity for them to to just make a point, make a statement, and it's gonna be super easy, at least it should be, to to get in the face of Joe Burrow, make him run around and really knock him off his platform. The second key I have to this one is I want to see the offense be balanced, but also a bit unpredictable. So, Phillip Rivers is not the quarterback for the Chargers anymore. Like, that means things are going to be different. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. This isn't going to be your father's offense, Chargers offense, right? Uh, they've got nothing but mobile quarterbacks on the roster in Tyrod and Herbert and Stick. And for offenses, or excuse me, opposing defenses, they're going to try to predict and assume what this offense is going to look like. And with Tyrod at the helm, who worked with Anthony Lynn back in Buffalo, they may assume that the offense is going to look like that. You know, it's going to be a run-heavy um, offense with you know maybe some exotic runs, as, as you know some people like to call it when it's not traditional. Um, but anyway, just a run-heavy offense, and I I think they need to 
make the decision like they they need to acknowledge the assumptions of what teams are going to think that they're a run heavy offense like the Bengals are going to assume the Chargers are going to want to run the ball so then use their assumptions against them right yes you're going to run the ball but then change up the types of runs you know when Philip Rivers it was mostly in the shotgun that he worked out of and you could kind of tell depending on the formation again with Rivers very predictable it was going to be a straight up pass or it was going to be a straight up run with Tyrod you have your basic runs and passes. Now you have your zone reads, your RPOs, your rollouts, your play action bootlegs. I mean, all these things to, to move the pocket, to to get the defense moving laterally. I mean, stretching them vertically and horizontally, which is what good offenses do. I think that's a big deal. And I want them to be varied and, and differentiate between uh, formations and you know pistol to shotgun to under center to you know, connected tight end, Hunter Henry in the backfield, two backs in the backfield at the same time, um, two tight end sets, which they haven't done too often. I mean, there's so many more things that I think this offense can do because of the weapons they compiled and the quarterbacks who will now be running the offense. And, and obviously in week one, that will be Tyrod Taylor. I just think it's awesome. Um, how I word it is that there's a whole new frontier for this offense to explore. And I think that this will be a strategic advantage through the first few games of the year before opponents actually have enough solid tape of this Chargers offense from 2020 to then, you know, study and scout and stuff like that. Like they've got an upper hand here that I think they should try and capitalize on. And thirdly, finally, um, the last one is simply, I want to see the free agent additions show up. So uh, we've talked about them all offseason, over and over and over again. Every time I'm on a call with Anthony Lynn and the other Chargers reporters, people are asking about Linval Joseph. People are asking about Chris Harris, Brian Bulaga, not so much Nick Vigil, but understandably Trey Turner's thrown in there as well, although he was a trade, not a free agent addition. But over and over and over again, we hear about these guys and how they're going to affect the defense, the offense, make it better, take it to a whole other level, those things, right? And until it happens... That is just words. It is just people being hopeful. It is just people, you know, putting a dreaming in their head, assuming that just putting one piece into this puzzle completes it or, you know, makes you see the whole picture, lets them perform, you know, to a, a whole new level, right? With like, Specifically with Linval Joseph, they think plugging him into the middle is going to all of a sudden give Ingram and Bosa like a free shot at the quarterback. Or they're going to each get three plus more sacks than they did a year before, right? Like, it's not that simple. It's not just a switch that's flipped. But he's still going to be expected to do a few things, which is one, you know, gobble up the double teams to, again, leave um, single one-on-one -on -one plays for Ingram and for Bosa. And we want him to create pressure up the middle, like... He said the coaches told him that they will allow him to play some third downs. He's not just a two-down run stuffer for the Chargers, apparently. He's going to be someone who tries to get after the quarterback on third downs. Big deal for him. We'll see what happens. And then and then Chris Harris, like what a luxury signing, right? Like him coming into an already stacked defense just gives the Chargers that much more room to play with, that many more bodies to use, especially when they're scheming and strategizing against uh, Kansas City. And any other team that has a plethora of wide receivers, you know, good quarterbacks. Like these are all pieces that really help fill in this picture. But Harris is going to be looked at to shut down like this week, Tyler Boyd. 
You know, he, he's going to play some on the outside. He's also going to play some in the slot, obviously. But he's going to be expected to really take the secondary to a whole nother level that had problems with uh, tackling last season, some blown coverages with Rayshon Jenkins and some younger guys, you know, playing a decent amount of snaps last season. He's going to be expected to come in and really try and hunker down and secure um, this secondary, you know, get them in the right positions, making sure they're held responsible, getting their job done, those kind of things. And then, of course, Bulaga and Turner um, are expected to lock down the right side of the offensive line. So what we expect and what Chargers fans expect is for them to literally um, play perfect and not hold up or allow, excuse me, any pressure pass rush from that side. So so really, Tyrod Taylor just has to worry about what's coming on his blind side, right? Which is protected by Sam Tevu, and that's a whole other thing of, I can't believe they're doing that. What a bummer. But again... They're expected to make that offensive line much better this season as opposed to last season. And so in turn, our quarterback feels much more comfortable working in the pocket. And even if, you know, time and time again or once in a while, Bulaga uh, or Turner allows a pressure, you know, someone just has a good play and beats them, then we know Tyrod is going to be able to run away from them. So again, it's not the end of the world. Our quarterback will no longer kind of be, you know, hitting the dirt the second someone's in his face. I think it's a big deal. And again, that's the final one, the final key I had to the, the Chargers beating the Bengals this Sunday. But at the end of the day, it just it needs to happen. You know, this is all he said, she said. This is all just hopes and dreams and what have, could have, should have, and whatever. They need to go out there and perform the way we know they can, the way they know they can, and just try to do their absolute best to meet the expectations I mean, and they're big expectations, but I mean, I think those are the right ones to have. If 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 we, the fan base, whomever, didn't have huge expectations for these players, then, I mean, that would say a lot about those players. You know, they're great players. They deserve and should want huge expectations. And Sunday is going to tell us a lot about this team and how the 2020 season will go on to look. And that actually wraps things up here at Chargers lately. Um, hope you guys enjoyed this show. A little bit longer than the last one, but not a ton to talk about, man. Not a ton I even want to terribly talk about because I just want the game to get here, right? I'm sure we all do. But really, again, hope you guys enjoyed this podcast. Hope it kind of helped you set the mood, get ready in the mindset for this game, which again, as you're listening to this, will probably be just in a few more hours. I hope you're ready. I hope you got your snacks, your foods, your meats, your beers, your drinks, your cocktails, whatever you guys are doing, your awesome, sleek new jerseys, powder blue, white, maybe the navy and the royal blue. I don't know what color you're doing. As long as you look good, feel good, you'll be able to watch good this Chargers game. Now I'm just rambling, but love that same. All right, guys. Thank you so much for once again tuning into Chargers Lately. I am your host, Michael Peterson. If you don't already, follow me on Twitter at Zone Tracks. That's spelled Z-O-N-E-T-R-A-C-K-S. And if you haven't yet as well, go on over to boltsfromthebluecom That is where all of my work is on the Chargers. That is SB Nation's Los Angeles Chargers community. Come on over, join the community. We have a blast. Oh, man. It's game time, guys. I'll talk to you next week.